This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Mary Pass, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is renowned journalist Antonio Cuneus, the Vatican ET connection. Did you know there are documented sightings in Rome going all the way back to 214 before Christ? Antonio Cuneus will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory. That means every single show we have done from the beginning, all in CD audio quality. A few bonus interviews, the very test private chat room, and the Manticore forum. Just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. And I have to tell you once again, the hottest product that we have is the 8GB 
brushed metal cased USB drive containing all of season one and a lot of bonus material. So head on over to the website VeritasShow.com once again and click on the Veritas store to find out what else is included. It's a lot of information there. And now, get ready to find out how much the Vatican knows about extraterrestrial life. Is religion embracing science as it never has before? Did a Pope have a close encounter? What were famous painters witnessing when they included several UFOs in their paintings? Is religion ready to accept that we are not alone? Is faith embracing fact? To find out, don't go anywhere. Antonio Huneos is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. right here on the very test show is supplied by the independent artists from jamendo.com if you hear a song you like go over to our homepage veritasshow.com click on the guest look up the song and download it you can even buy the group's CDs in many cases right there at jamendo.com James Gilliland, and you're listening to Veritas. Open Minds investigative reporter J. Antonio Huneus has covered the UFO field from an international perspective for over 30 years. His articles have appeared in dozens of publications in the U.S., Latin America, Europe, and Japan. He was also the co-author of the Lawrence Rockefeller-funded UFO briefing document, the best available evidence, and edited the book A Study Guide to UFOs, Psychic and Paranormal Phenomena in the USSR. Huneus studied French at the Sorbonne University in Paris and journalism at the University of Chile in Santiago in the 1970s. He has lectured at dozens of UFO conferences all over the world and has been interviewed by many media outlets, including the Washington Post, Discover, the Sci-Fi and History Channels, Nippon TV, etc., he received the Ufologist of the Year Award at the National UFO Conference in Miami Beach in 1990 and the Courage in Journalism Award at the X Conference in Gatesburg, Maryland in 2007. And directly from the new facilities of Open Minds Production in Phoenix, Arizona, I would like to welcome for the first time on Veritas, investigative reporter and editor of Open Minds Magazine, Antonio Huneus. Hello, Antonio. Welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hello, Mel. A pleasure to be here with you. It's my pleasure having you on. For the listeners, Antonio, let me just say that I met Antonio at the 2010 International UFO Congress uh, in Laughlin, Nevada recently, and I got to know how respected he is as an investigative reporter. And that's all you know. In the UFO circle, the skill is very important. Then, a few days ago, I saw Antonio present at a MUFON meeting, and I told him that I have been looking for someone who can discuss the Vatican extraterrestrial connection, and folks, we found him. But for the listeners around the world, Antonio, who may not know who you are, give us some background of yourself and how you get into this area of journalism. Right. Well, I'm a, I'm a science journalist by profession, 
and um, I studied uh, journalism at the University of Chile in Santiago back in the 70s. I had studied previously, uh, took a course on uh, French at the Sorbonne in Paris. And um, uh, of course, I was not uh, particularly interested in, in this phenomenon back then. Uh, I did cover mostly mainstream science. I did have a, a somewhat of an open mind um, with regards to other topics such as parapsychology or right. archaeological mysteries. So I wasn't like a really close-minded person. But I understand, you know, skeptics, uh, because I was once there, you know. I mean, basically, I knew very little about the subject. And whenever uh, I was only peripherally aware of uh, UFOs, platillos voladores, as they call them back in those right. days in, in South America, sure. you know, flying saucers. And uh, I thought that the evidence was um, not good simply because I was a science journalist and I used to interview a lot of scientists. For my, I used to write at that time for um, a weekly magazine, a mainstream weekly magazine called Que Pasa, which would be sort of like a Newsweek here. And I also was writing a lot about, um, I was actually a pioneer on environmental subjects back then. And I was writing a column for a newspaper um, called La Segunda in Santiago. And um, uh, somehow all these scientists that I knew and I used to interview for these stories, you know, the subject of UFOs never came up. So I assumed that this was not a, a serious subject because scientists weren't talking about it. And this went on for a few years. Then I, I was already in the United States and we're now in the year of 1977. I was uh, living in New York City, and a series of coincidences, we could call them, or perhaps synchronicity or, or destiny, I don't know. They all happen at the same time. My brother sent me a series of, um, well, not a series, one first, and then later I got some others, uh, newspaper clippings about a very interesting UFO incident that took place uh, at that time in 1977, in the north of Chile, um, towards the interior of the city of Arica, near the borders with Peru and Bolivia. It's known as the Corporal Valdez case. Why did he send it to me? It, it, I don't know, because I wasn't interested in the subjects, but he did, he did do that. And at the same time I, that I, I received these clippings, and I'll go into the details of the incident in a second, uh, I happened to see um, an alternative newspaper, at a big uh, magazine store near where I lived at that time was the East Village in New York City in Manhattan. And this this newspaper was called the New York Daily Planet. Uh, you know, the Daily Planet, like as like in Superman. Superman. And um, yeah. it was an alternative paper. Um, and it covered, among other things, it had a UFO section. And I could tell right away that this paper was alternative. You know, I, you didn't need big connections or anything to get published there. And it was on the same day. Like I said, I received the clippings, and then I see this newspaper. So basically what I did is I, I adapted the, the, the story as I read it from the Chilean newspapers, and I wrote a, an English article. My English wasn't so good back then. I even had to get my neighbors and friends to help, him, help me a little bit with the grammar. But, you know, I, I, I was already a journalist, so I knew how to do an article. And I basically walked into the into the editorial offices, which happened to be in in my neighborhood in Union Square in in, in Manhattan. And I met the the publisher and editor in chief. His name is Mike Luckman. Uh, we became good friends, and uh, many many years later, he published a book called Alien Rock, 
which you might have heard of it, which is the the, the, the history of uh, UFOs and the rock and roll uh, industry, and you know the different oh, rock, yes. yeah, the different rock. And in fact, I did even help him uh, help him on that book. But that's another story, and that's 30 years later. So anyway, I met Mike, and I showed him the article, and he was fascinated, and he published it. And that's how my UFO career started. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this case. You might have heard of it. It's a quite well-known case. Um, so hold on. Before, before you tell us about the case, this happened almost immediately. First, you get the story from, from somebody. Yeah. It all happened very quickly. The 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 the, the case had happened in um, April 25th of 1977. I received there was about a one month delay in the publication because this was the days where there was a military dictatorship in Chile. You know Pinochet, mm -hmm. and of so course. the 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 case was censored because it involved um, army personnel. But there was so much fuss about it that, and since it wasn't a political issue per se, you know, I mean, it had nothing to do with communism or whatever, and that was the issue for the military in Chile at the time. They uh, and they were already censoring too many other aspects of the news. They figured they had to give somewhere something to the to the media and to the public. So they finally allowed the publication of this case. And the articles were published uh, in many newspapers in Chile, but uh, the clippings I received were from El Mercurio, which was the number one newspaper in Chile, the most prestigious. Sure. This was not a tabloid. This was, would be like the New York Times or the Washington Post in the U.S. It's one of the oldest, the oldest paper in Chile and very prestigious. So the source was... It's the same newspaper that talked about Admiral Byrd's... Uh... It is the same one. Yes, correct. Right. Actually, it's an interesting newspaper because it is the oldest continuously published newspaper in, in, in the Spanish language in the world. Uh, it started in the 1820s. Of course, there are older papers, but they went out of business. This one started in the 1820s and it continues to this day. So it has, it has quite a track uh, record. So um, the articles were published, I forgot exactly when, let's say in June or something, And um, I wrote the story, and it came on the New York Daily Planet. I believe it was the July 4th issue of 1977. So it all this happened <laughs> quite fast. And, um, of course, you know, when you're a journalist, you cover all kinds of things. And uh, that doesn't mean that because you wrote an article about, um, I don't know, about, uh, you know, agriculture, that you're going to become a farmer, right? You're just a journalist. You wrote an article on agriculture, and then next day you're going to write an article about uh, fishing or something else, and you're not going to become a fisherman. But somehow there was something about this phenomenon that, that hooked me. And uh, I could have never uh, thought at the time that I was going to, you know, 40 years later, I'm going to be doing an interview about UFOs. You know, I mean, it, it would have not even occurred to me. But it, and it's interesting how, how you got the, the article and then saw the newspaper, made the connection, published the article exactly 30 years later after Roswell. Right. Which, of course, that's the other thing interesting. In 1977, Russell was not, was forgotten. When I began into ufology, and it's, I know it's very hard to believe to modern people, you know, to, right now, because Russell is so famous. But believe me, back in the, in the 1970s, Russell was a non-case. You, you, at the most, you have to look very hard. And maybe you would find some book that describes the, the 1947 wave in detail, and then it would just be dismissed as a balloon. 
Um, so I published that article. Now, let me tell you briefly the story because it is a fascinating case. And, um, and basically what, what happened was that you had a, a military patrol of, um, of uh, six soldiers, or I believe it was seven soldiers, and one corporal the cor- who was the leader of the patrol. The corporal was called uh, Armando Valdez. And they were camping on the high desert there near a small city called, uh, or a small town called Putre. And this happened at night. They were already sleeping, all of the soldiers except one who was uh, acting as the sentry. And this guy saw a, a light, an object, a lighted object coming down a hill there, and which seemed to either land or hovered very close to the ground, not far from the patrol. So they didn't know what it was. This was near the border. There was tension with uh, Peru and Bolivia at the time. Um, so he woke up the rest of the, of the, of the military and then, um, they all saw it. And then Valdez tells the soldiers that they should all stick together and don't go anywhere. And yet this is what he later told. He said he felt like a voice was communicating inside his brain and, and urging him to walk towards the object, even though he had just told the soldiers to stay all together. So he walks towards the object and he disappears. It's not clear that they exactly saw him disappear. It was at night, but they, he, they see him walking towards, and then he's gone. Uh, the soldiers are freaking out because their leader is gone. This object is hovering right next to them. They don't know what's going on. And about 20 minutes go by. And then uh, after the 20 minutes, they hear him, and he's behind them. But they never saw him walk from the object back into the patrol. So uh, Valdez is in a totally disheveled state, um, semi-conscious, and then he kind of passes, passes out. But this is the thing they notice, that, uh, as you know, I don't know if you were in the military, but in the military, you of course, you're supposed to shave every day, right? Uh, and uh, they notice that after the incident, he had the equivalent of more or less a five-day growth on, on his beard. Then he had a wristwatch with a calendar, and the wristwatch had stopped after the 20 minutes when he was gone, but the calendar, instead of April 25th, show May 1st. So it's, it's not a missing time, it's a kind of a gaining time. Somehow, the guy went into another reality or something, and he lived five days in, 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 in that reality, but would com- compress into only 15 or 20 minutes in ours. Almost like time travel. Yeah. We don't know what happened to him. Now, this is what makes this case quite unique, in not only those circumstances, but then uh, finally the UFO takes off right before daybreak. So we never got a really complete description of how it looked. It was kind of disshaped and had these blinking lights and so on, but, but it took off before day. So they are all disoriented. They don't know what to do. Well, they decide to go back to their military unit. And as they're doing that, they find a guy whose name is Pedro Araneda, who was a school teacher. And this is in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert. And yet this guy somehow was interested in UFOs. And not only that, he had a tape recorder with him. I mean, what are the chances of that, right? It was almost like it was all programmed. And Land. this guy made an interview, a famous, a famous Valdez tape. He interviewed all the witnesses literally an hour after the incident. That almost never happens. 
And uh, so that was the material that was basically used by El Mercurio and all the other newspapers. Uh, the um, Chilean army initially suppressed the story, um, but uh, since uh, the tape was not the property of the army, but of this guy. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.